Okay, Psalm 119, we're looking at the letter or the uh, octave that begins every uh, verse begins with the letter uh, M or M-E-M as it's spelled in uh, my edition of the King James. But um, several of you found out that several of these uh, uh, Hebrew letters are spelled differently and even the King, their various King James versions. But um, as we look at this, we see that uh, he says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I, am, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your statutes. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments for you yourself have taught me. How great or how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to the mouth or to my mouth. Through your precepts, I, uh, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every evil way. Now, you'll notice in this psalm, one of the unique, or there's a, one of the uh, few psalms or uh, octaves in this psalm that doesn't have a prayer request, doesn't have anything. This is just a pure psalm of praise. Now, as we look at it, we go back a couple of octaves, back to calf, and we look at where he says, oh Lord, uh, they persecute me. They almost made an end of my, um, uh, end of me on earth back in verses 66 or 86 and 87. And so he had gotten down to his lowest and we said that then he starts coming out of it. And we see in the last octave that we looked at that he is saying, Lord, it's settled in heaven. Everything is settled in heaven. I'm yours. Take over. And so we see that he regained his bearings, that he is now going forth and he's uh, reestablished his faith and his uh, stability in his faith. And now we see that as he's meditated on the word, has been meditating on the word, that there's a joy that comes. Have you ever studied the Bible or read the Bible and you just come away feeling clean and joyful and just there's something about it that just made you just feels good all over i hope so now that doesn't happen every time but it sure is good when it does isn't it there's or you come away from a a service and you feel like my i'm so glad i was there and that happens many times on wednesday nights we've talked about how that you kind of get tired or you're tired before you get here and then when you're you leave you're almost elated well, this is where the man is now. And he's, he's elated. He's really, I love your law, Lord. Now, love, as we have said, uh, always takes the initiative. Love suffers long and is kind. Um, and we see that it, it actually does something mentally as well as physically. It's a labor of love. Um, like faith, it shows its true colors in the actions of the one professing it. Uh, the uh, psalmist has struggled with the fears and doubts, but has settled his faith in God's word, as we've seen in the last two octaves. Uh, this, there's a sweetness in our relationship with our Savior 
when we could sing, as we sang earlier, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. And when, that Lord, when the Lord speaks to us, when the Lord comforts us, when those times come, when we've thrown everything on him, and all of a sudden just the peace of the Holy Spirit settles down on us. Those are times of, of great blessing. It's a great blessing uh, in church services uh, when we, you sense the moving of the Holy Spirit or the entrance of the word and God is dealing with people and there's a joy, there's something there that uh, passes expression. It's really difficult to, to, um, to describe it. Can I, uh, am, I, am I talking to the choir? Am I talk- in this sense, I hope the choir's, and everybody in the choir's listening, right? So it's the idea that I hope that uh, that has been your expression and that's been your uh, testimony that God does speak to us. That God does bring that peace that passes understanding. That God does meet those times when you just sense that he's with you. And that's what's happened here. And so we see uh, this octave doesn't have a prayer request in it. It's an exclamation of joy that the, the psalmist experienced in God's, when God comforts him in the word. And so we begin first, and I, I titled this, Loving learning, and living. And so we see that uh, in the first verse, we have the loving. Oh, how I love your law. You know, there's a say, say it faith. There's a, there's a say it love. It's one thing for, you know, with, when you love somebody to do everything for them, but they still want to hear, I love you. There's just something about those three words that mean a lot. Um, What's that song, do you love me? For 25 years, I've cooked you and all this kind of stuff. But, and then she said, well, you know, if that's not love, what is? And then, uh, well, they had never really expressed love. And so I think we need to do that, especially in a loveless world. Uh, we need to be expressing how that we care for people and that we love them. And especially with our family members or close, to, close people around us. And so we see that uh, he says, oh, how I love your law. So there's a declaration of love. We need to tell the Lord, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For, all, for thee all the folly of sin I resign. My precious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. So we need to express those great loves, those great times, you know, of just just zero in on the Lord and saying, I love you. And so there's that exclamation, that say it faith, that say it love. And then also there's the dedication. There's the, there's the idea of, um, of I, if you love somebody, you want to be around them. You, you crave their attention. And uh, we see that uh, what does the Bible tell us in Colossians? We said, let the word of God dwell in you richly. And the idea is, is we want it to dwell. Lord, give me more. Give me more. I want it. I'm searching for it. I want it. You know, I just was reviewing uh, Sunday's messages this morning. I got up uh, earlier than usual. And um, about six o'clock in the morning, I was already into the word. And uh, just reading some of the less exciting passages of of Joshua. 
And yet all of a sudden there were a couple of three verses, uh, phrases that just stuck out to me. And all of a sudden, it just, there's something about the word that gives a warmth. There's something when you know God is speaking to you or that uh, that's an application. It's really nice. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes in studying the Bible in the morning or reading your word in the morning, you don't want to get up and wait a minute, you got to still get, you got, you got to get to work or you got to, uh, to meet an appointment or whatever. You got to get ready, you got to shave, whatever. And so uh, sometimes it's hard to tear yourself away whenever those feelings or whenever you sense that God is really speaking to you or that the word of God has just warmed your heart. And so we see that, uh, that there's, a, there's a meditation and notice he says that I meditated on your word and the great thing about it, all the day. Now, the thing about it is once that hits, then you could go back and think about it whenever you got an idle moment. And so you can turn that over and over in your mind of what God's doing. And so a lot of times, as far as a message is concerned, that's uh, where you get your deeper thoughts. If you, oh man, I got Saturday night, I got to get it all ready. And, uh, you know, and three points in a poem and whatever, you know. And, well, uh, that's didactic. But whenever those little thoughts come to you through the week and all of a sudden you start putting verses together, like right here I did. Uh, Joshua reminded me, uh, then I got into Psalmist and then I said, wait a minute. That's what the whole idea of meditating on the word, let the word of God give it entrance meditate all the day well i can't go around you know with my bible my my head in the bible all day long but i can think about those things during the day and all of a sudden other verses come to mind and you start tying things together and that's why i like people uh, one of the compliments or i don't know if it's a compliment but something i like to people that now i'm not asking you to do it but whenever someone that has never really been in our ministry says, you know, you really tie the, the, uh, the verses together. I mean, you go to Genesis to Revelation and you put it and you make that one passage and you bring, well, the, well, hey, that's what you do when you turn things over in your mind. And the more that you know about the word of God, the more that those verses and those things. Now, what I've had to do recently, though, is uh, I guess I'm not losing my memory, but I'm getting older. And so... Everyone, uh, so I get on my phone and I, I'll start, oh man, there, there's that verse, but I can't put it. And so I'll, I get on my phone and, and Google it and invariably the verse will come up. Oh, that's what it is, you know. And so it's good to be able to put those verses and those thoughts together. And that's what meditation is all about. It's not saying, okay, I got five minutes. Here's my devotions. And I lay me, you know, whatever. And so, no, it's, uh, you, you get a, a passage, you get something on a Wednesday night or a Sunday, and you think about it. That's meditation. That's rumination. That's the idea, the old illustration of the cow chewing her cud. And she brings it up and chews it and then, you know, swallows it again. Um, and that's what meditation's all about, is really thinking through things through and allowing God to chew on it, <laughs> to chew on what God's telling us. And so I love your, you know, Lord, I love your word. I love your law. I mean, I'm just learning so much from it. And so, Lord, uh, the one thing I have problems with is so many times, I love your law, Lord, but there's some, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. Well, just drop everything. Now, I had one of my children call me this today, and I was busy, but uh, I hadn't talked to him in a while. And so I was going to just 
But, you know, I'm going to take some time. Why? Because I love it. And so as a result, I'm going to give them my time. Well, sometimes we have to do that with the Lord too, don't we? I mean, the Lord is dealing with us. Okay, I just had to put everything off. I didn't get everything I wanted to get done today. But this is, I mean, I just sensed God was speaking. And I had to, you know, or or that God is dealing with me about something. And so we see, Lord, I love your law. Oh, I just love to get into it. But then we see the second thing, he's learning. And this is an interesting passage because he tells us three different things from the problems he's had and the problems that he's gone through in the last couple of uh, octaves, we see that uh, he, he's coming out of it now and he's starting to gain victory over the fears that he has with those pesky people that just keep trying to destroy him. Those people that he doesn't know from day to day. And so notice he says, through your commandments, uh, your, you, through your commandments, Make me wiser than mine enemies. And so, oh, yeah, they're saying all kinds of bad things and they're cutting me down. But they're the ones who have the problems because I see your word. And as a result of I see the benefits and I see the joy and I see what you can do through your word. These people, they don't know what they're missing. And they're the ones with the problems. And many times God will bring that problem out and you'll see something in that person's life. And that's what I pray. Lord, uh, okay, this person's a little irate. Help me to give me insight into why they are irate. Is it something at home that is really causing them trouble? I've given you the illustration of one of my students that she went from being one of my best students to a horrible student. Uh, within a, about, over the Christmas holidays. And I just really was so disappointed. So I got with her and uh, started talking with her and found out she had all kinds of problems at home and her parents were getting a divorce and she had to decide which place, because she was over 12 years old and she had to decide which one she wanted. And she said, what do I do? Well, I just let her know that, you know, whatever I can do, if you need a listening ear, as much as I can, of course, you have to be careful with a junior high girl, but uh, I want you to know that I care about you. And so if there's any way we can help, let me know if you just need to talk or whatever. And if, but uh, there again, uh, but that kind of solved the problem and she got to being the straight A student again. But I could have really just listened. The girl. I could have really just said, she doesn't like me. Well, it wasn't that she didn't like me. She had problems going on. And many times that's true with that old uh, clerk that you meet at at some business or whatever. They've got something really bad going on in their lives and uh, they're just, they have a short fuse. Well, they're not mad about you. Well, what is it? Uh, Remember those old Excedrin headaches, number 53? Mother, mother, please, I'd rather do it myself. Sure, you got a headache, but don't take it out on her, all this kind of stuff. Remember those commercials? Okay, you too. You're too young uh, for all that. It's interesting what I could remember 30 years ago, but I can't remember today, you know, or what I, whether I, I turned off the oven or not. But uh, there again, we see that, you know, Lord, give me insights. Help me to see. As many of these people that hate me or they're saying all kinds of bad things, Lord, help me to, let me see what I can do to be nice to them. After all, you tell me to do good to them to despitefully use me. So, Lord, how do I do it? 
And it's not just, oh, I'm going to be so nice to someone because I'm such a good Christian. No, Lord, help the deep, genuine feelings toward this person. Help me to love them. Help me to love the unlovely, lovely. And so here he said, Lord, uh, these people, I've learned through your commandments, they make me wiser than my enemies. They, you taught me how to deal with them. But notice what he says, and this is key here, for they are ever with me. So I'm always going to have enemies. In fact, we know that um, the Bible tells us that one of the, the negative promises in the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul tells Timothy, they who walk godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. The devil and his crowd are just not going to like you for serving the Lord. You will have some enemies. You will have some people that will call you a Bible thumper, a holy roller. They'll do all kinds of things to try to bring you down. Uh, and that's just, that's just life. And so, Lord, give me protection over those people, but also give me wisdom to know how to deal with them. And make me, Lord, help me to see, help me to be wiser than what they are as far as how to deal with them. And realize that I've got a better life than they do. I like what uh, one old World War II um, veteran talked about. He said, you know, I really hated that old guard, that Japanese guard that was, was so mean and cruel. But uh, I started feeling sorry for him because he realized that as soon as the war was over, and it was coming soon, that I'd be going back to a stable country that never had been bombed. He's going back to a place where all the cities have been bombed, and he doesn't even know whether his family's alive or not. So he said, you know, I hated this guy until I started feeling sorry for him. And so it is, you know, sometimes in life, you know, the people who want to persecute us have a whole lot worse life than we do. And they're just trying to bring us down. Or to, and so can we trust our God in these areas? And can we look for ways of being kind to someone who is not kind who, and love the unlovely? Now, that's one of the most difficult things a Christian can do until we learn through the Spirit to love people in all walks of life rather than being critical toward them all the time. Now, of course, there are going to be those that you're going to have to protect yourself from. You're going to have to deal with them. There are people that uh, if they come to church here, I will, uh, I mean, I just tell them, you've got to stay in my sight because of some of the problems you have or whatever. Or you will never be alone with anybody in the church here. You know, no lady or especially young children or whatever, but I never want to see you alone with, because of some of their backgrounds or whatever. That very rarely happens, but when it does, I tell two or three other people that, let, we're going to be, you know, that you're going to be helping me watch that person. Now, there again, I want to do as much as I can for that person. Now, if they show any type of situation of harm to our people, then they're not welcome anymore. I think you understand what I'm saying. But there again, there's all kinds of people from all walks of life that are going to come to church. So how do we learn how to deal with them and love them in spite of their situations at times? And sometimes, I think of one lady back a few, several years ago. She, every time she'd walk by and she would say some of the meanest, harshest things. You're you think you're Christians, but you're just devil worshipers. No, boy, she just really had all kinds of wild stuff. 
And, um, and so whenever she would come by, I'd say, how are you doing today? And I would say, yeah, you know, listen, you sound like you've had some rough times. Why don't you come just visit with us sometime? Oh, I don't know. But she started coming. And, all of, you know, and our, I told other people, and we prayed for her, and I said, you know, let's just watch her and make sure she's not one of these violent people or whatever. But at the same time, you know, be, be prepared if something happens. But at the same time, just love her. And she started coming out of the stuff, uh, and she just, she quit. For one thing, when she walked by, she would smile at me and say hi rather than curse me. You know, and just, but unfortunately, by the time that she really started coming, then she moved. I think she moved back to Chicago or something. But, you know, I sure hope we planted a seed in her heart that we cared about her. And so I could have said, yeah, she's just no devil. She's just full of the devil herself or whatever. But no, uh, can I be kind to the unkind? Can I love the unlovely? Can I even put up with Rob up there? No, I'm sorry. That isn't <laughs> no, can he put up with me more than that? <laughs> I was just wanting to make sure you were awake up there. But, uh, but uh, you know, all these things that, um, that, you know, people have problems. And so, Lord, make me wiser, that, or wiser than my enemies in the sense that don't let them conquer me. But help me to see them through your eyes. And if I see them through your eyes, I'm going to be wiser than, if I see anybody through uh, your eyes, I'm going to be wiser than they are, <laughs> you know, uh, to, what, to, to, to the extent that you show me um, and reveal to me uh, something in their lives. And so the victory, he had real victory over this. All of a sudden, notice here, he says, they're ever with me. No longer, Lord, help, Lord, you know, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do to me tomorrow, whatever. No, they're ever with me. So, Lord, I just realized I'm going to put up with them. They're going to be my sandpaper. I like one lady's uh, a godly pastor's wife that my wife and I were, uh, we had had real problems with the lady and I found out that uh, she had gone to another church. And I just, I, and I wasn't, you don't call people to say, okay, let's get together. No, I said, is there a problem that we can help her with? And she said, and the, and the pastor's wife said, she's my sandpaper. <laughs> In other words, she really sand, you know, but there again, she knocks the rough edges off of me. But I never will forget that statement. She's my sandpaper. But she was a, the, the pastor's wife, a very godly spiritual lady. So, and she never, she would have never you know, hurt the lady. But that's that's the most critical thing she said about her. She never said any mean things about her or anything. But she just realized she had problems. And so it is, you know, that sometimes God puts a person in your life to be your sandpaper, to be that person that kind of rubs some of your, uh, makes you a little bit more sensitive and rubs some of your rough edges off. And so. We see, first of all, then we see the victory that he's having over those fears and those doubts and the anger that he had toward his enemies. And then secondly, and this is one that we have to be very careful with because, oh man, people love this one. Uh, I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies or my meditations. So the second class of people that I have, you know, I have, I'm wiser than my enemies, but I have more understanding. And here's this understanding is the idea of I put the why to it. I know what you're doing. And so I have more understanding than my teachers. Now, we have to define who the teachers are. Were they the, the, the possibly the public uh, teachers that he had, the, the people that were ungodly that he went to school with? Well, he starts learning things and he becomes wiser. Was it that uh, teacher 
and this is the way I look at it, there's certain things I can't teach you. There's just certain things that you've got to experience on your own. And when you can experience and God speaks to you after we have gone through it and God and you're meditating on the word and God reveals it to you and all of a sudden you see it bigger than I do or you see it in a different way than I see it. And all of a sudden, oh, you know, that's what that verse means. Not, you know, and all of a sudden you are learning things that uh, only God can teach you. We can, give, we can plant the seed, but I want the Holy Spirit to, to lead you into all truth. I don't want to be your final authority. I want God to be your final authority. I want you to be able to go to God in prayer. And so I'm just a, a, a stepping stone as a pastor, as a Bible teacher, but I'm not the end result. I want you to get this book. Oh, that's what he means, but this is what God's teaching me. And you've gone farther than I ever taught you. I love it. My wife and I have said it several times. Whenever someone, especially a new Christian or someone is coming, and they just come and they start talking to us and they just start telling us all the things of God. And we're saying, you know, we didn't teach that in Sunday school class. We didn't teach that, but God took, but they will kind of make an illusion, but then they'll go a lot farther. And God is teaching them things through just the ministry of letting the word into their heart that I can never teach them. And so in that case, if God made them wiser than me, fine, I don't care. But the one thing you don't want, oh, I am so smart. I've got two years of college now, and I'm smarter than I'm Boy, those bunch of people down there, they don't know a thing. And I don't even need to go to Sunday school church anymore. I can't learn anything from those. No, the entrance of the word gives light. Now, when I... But of course, but no, really, that's one of the big problems that college kids have now, not ours, but, uh, but I've seen it over and over again. Uh, they, they get, you know, they get into the classiness and all, and then they come back home and all of a sudden it's just not the same as, you know, as what they, where they've been. And I even experienced that myself. You know, I, it was nice to be in a big setting with a lot of people your age and all that. Then you come back home and Hey, wait a minute, this place isn't nearly as big as what I've experienced. And so that's very easy to do. And so that's not the wisdom that where I'm wiser than my teachers. And it's not that, oh, I don't need church anymore because I've learned about everything I can from that place. No, we need to fellowship one with another. We need to continue learning the Word of God and to put it to practice in our lives. Um, I was reading... Uh, about R.A. Torrey. And R.A. Torrey was one of the great preachers of oh, a hundred years, well, over a hundred years ago, around the turn of the 20th century. And he's one of the last pastors that had uh, you know, a worldwide uh, following, even though there, that was back before radio and television. And yet he won thousands to the Lord, uh, like the D.L. Moody's and so forth, and Spurgeon's. But um, one time his, bro his son... And he went to a, an old hick, uh, country church. And the preacher just slew the uh, King's English. And his son was sitting there and just going, oh my, my dad could spit, say more in five minutes than this guy's been saying in an hour. You know, the guy kept, kept on going. And yet he noticed his dad and his dad was listening and putting things together and writing notes and all that and went back to the pastor and said, you know, you really brought out some things that I'm going to have to think. And so it was just, you know, here you got a worldwide preacher 
and that they didn't know that was there. They didn't, he didn't tell them who he was. And this old country hicks up there preaching, but he was preaching the word. And here you got the R.A. Torrey who's writing notes. And so that's what the word of God can do. So whatever I get with someone that I, and we all do it, where, you know, I might not get a whole lot out of this. Well, Lord, help them to say something, maybe a little phrase or something that I could put a hook in that will teach me. You know, hear a little there, little Lord, teach me some things. And so we see that, uh, you know, we'll never, get, uh, we're get, we'll never get too old to learn or too smart to learn something from somebody. And so, you know, the maturity of I'm wiser than my teachers. But then, you know, he gave me more understanding the, than the ancients, even those forefathers. And I just mentioned a forefather or a man before us was already Tory. Uh, but, um, but the idea of um, can we learn from Joseph and his mistakes? Now you say, wait a minute, Joseph... Um, as well, he and Daniel were a couple of the people in the Bible that were given a lot of ink, and yet there was no recorded transgression in their lives, no sin recorded in their lives. But I still can learn some things from old Joseph because here he is, 12, 13, 14, maybe 15 years old, and God gives him a dream, and he goes out and tells his brothers who are 25 to 35 years old about how one day he's going to rule over them. Do you think he might have needed a little wisdom? Think so? After all, he was daddy's favorite boy. He wore the, you know, that uh, uh, multicolored coat was saying, hey, I'm it, I'm the pet. And don't you think that he caused some of his problems, some of the jealousy that he had? So can I learn a little bit from Joseph about how not to spout off about what I think God's doing, especially if it's going to, if another person is going to be affected by it. And so you can go through it. Can I learn a lot about David? Boy, there's a lot to learn about David or, or a light or a, uh, uh, Abraham, the, the decisions they made and the far reaching consequences. You know, all these things, as the Bible tells us that in the, First Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, all these things that were written in the Old Testament were for our learning, for us to learn how that God deals with people. And so that's the idea of testimonies, that God, this is how God dealt with others. When he was, was one of those eight words for the uh, word of God, testimonies, God used these things to teach us so many things. And so 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, of course, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. Why? Because there's a lot of testimonies in there about how that God deals with people. And can God teach us a lot about men and women in the Bible? Yes, that's precious. So notice these three things. Uh, he, he's given me more wisdom than my enemies. He's taught me how to deal with them. And even taught me how to feel sorry for some of them. He's given me maturity uh, and he's made me wiser than to he's helped me to, put, to take the things I've learned and go farther with it and so that since that in that sense I become wiser and especially in your field of study uh, if I can give you something where you're already smarter than me in the in your area of expertise already and I can give you a something that will help you go farther you'll be wiser than me in more ways than one, and even farther wiser 
That's the reason I love a congregation. I want to ask questions. I want to find out the different walks of life because I don't have all the knowledge. I need other wise people telling me some things. And so again, the maturity, and then of course, the wisdom, the understanding. Notice he says, uh, I understand more than the ancients. Well, the understanding was the why. We go, okay, Lord, this is the things that he did, but why, why, did, why did it turn out the way it did? And of course, as we said with Joseph, uh, there were reasons. And it wasn't because he was so spiritual and all the rest of the guys were not spiritual. It was that he needed to learn some things. And so then again, you go, so we see the learning that we always have, constant learning. Now, the Bible tells us in the last days there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a great learning, but uh, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Well, I have the truth, but I want to keep on learning. Does that make sense? I want to expand what the truth means and what it, uh, what it says and how to apply it in my life. And so he says, uh, so he gives me wisdom over my enemies. He, he develops me from the things I've been taught and he helps me to have understanding from the mistakes as well as the strengths that some of my heroes as well as some of the Bible heroes that we have um, can teach me. And then, so we see that he is loving. Oh, how I love your law. Oh, how that I see so many things in it that applies to me, but then also living it. And here's where the application comes in. He says that I, in verse um, 101, he says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Now here's, you know, I was thinking, okay, how, how do I, okay, restraining my feet, but I, Lord, I don't want to make that in teaching tonight about don't do this and don't do that. But then, the Lord, I just kept dealing with it, and the Lord kind of gave me, what were we teaching on Sunday morning in Sunday school? Put off the old things. Put on the new. So notice he's restrained his feet from every evil way. Lord, help me to get rid of those things. Help me that I don't walk in the ways of unrighteousness. Help me to put away anger and strife and uh, all these different things and the lust of the flesh and all. Lord, teach me how to do that. And so, Lord, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Either you're keeping his, you know, uh, uh, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. And so I want to keep your word. I, I don't want to go around thinking about what I can't do. I want to say, Lord, help, what can I do to keep your word? What can I do to please you? Uh, I don't want the... Calvary Baptist no-nos where, oh my, if I don't do this, 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 then I'm a pretty good Christian. But Lord, I want to keep your word because that's where the warmth is, that's where the power is, that's where everything is. So Lord, I want to discipline my life, that, uh, and, uh, apply my life to your word. And then of course, Romans chapter six talks about uh, uh, dying to self, but living for the Lord and surrendering our members as servants of Christ rather than servants of the flesh. And Romans chapter six is a great study in that. And so Lord, uh, uh, help me to apply your teaching. Help me to live it, that people see it. But then also, notice in the next, um, so we see, I have to part, well, let's go into verse 
102. He says, I have not departed from your judgments. There again, judgments are the idea of discretion. Okay, Lord, why do you say these things? And, uh, and these are the, the gray areas that I've got to take your Bible and put it two plus two together and come up with what you really mean here. And so, Lord, help me to understand uh, what we're dealing with here when I'm dealing with this person. But because but there's, you know, should I buy this car or should I not? Should I, uh, should I, you know, go to this place or should I not? Well, it, may, it might take two or three verses or two or three thoughts to come up with what should I do or what should I not do. And so, again, we talked about that one thing where the pastor got in trouble. And I think he should go back and rethink his thinking because he was asked, should I go to a gay wedding? Well, I've gone to Catholic weddings. I've gone to any type of wedding where there is that biblical bond, even though, I mean, I've, um, did I ever, I was almost said I've been to the courthouse, not with my wife, but, uh, and I haven't, but, you know, I have seen people that, you know, and I, I accept their, the fact that they're married or whatever else. And we will even at times, we've had, a shower for a lady afterwards, you know, that we acknowledge, hey, listen, we want you to be successful. Even though she, you know, uh, didn't have a church wedding or whatever. But when it comes to an abomination against God, then all of a sudden we have to say, whoa, let's put two and two together. What am I doing here? If I go to this wedding and I give her, then I'm approving of something that God says is an abomination to him. And so I'm telling other people that, you know, I know I have my beliefs, but this is all right. It's not all right in God's eyes. And so I have to take, you know, as, as a Christian, I have to say there are certain things I can't do. Uh, one time a man, he, uh, made, he had some scuppernons out in his uh, garage or out in his uh, backyard. A scuppernon is kind of like a grape, but that you don't eat the grape. It's, it's a... It's a Gulf Coast little berry. And what they do is kind of gross, is they'll eat it or pop it open and they'll get all the good meat out of it and then they spit it out like a piece of chewing tobacco. Uh, I never will forget, I never didn't know what they were. And so this, uh, uh, Brother Dan, would you like some scuppernons? And uh, what are they? And she said, oh, they're good. And so I tried them and I swallowed the whole thing after I, and I, and so after it was, she said, well, I gave you a little bowl. Where, where are the husks? And I said, husk? I didn't know I was supposed to. Oh, Brother Dan, you swallowed all those things. Oh, man. And I hit my stomach like a rock. You know? But um, it took me a couple of days to get over those things. But um, a guy made wine out of it. Well, as, and he was being very gracious, trying to, well, Lord, how do I get out of this and not offend him? And yet, as sweetly as I could, I told him that I just didn't drink, you know, fermented things. And he, oh, okay. Oh, you're a Baptist preacher, aren't you? Well, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, whatever. But, you know, I was willing to take the flack. And then, unfortunately, I was able to keep him as a friend. But uh, I wasn't, I don't drink that, you know, none of that stuff. So, Lord, help me to be sweet and kind, even when I have to say no to someone. 
Now, I think that's what that pastor was doing after knowing him for or listening to him for quite a while. He was trying to be as nice as he could to the people and saying, okay, you can give them a gift or whatever. Well, uh, I think there's a a line in the sand that I would differ with him on there. uh, And with that, I'm not going to say that he's a bad preacher. I'm just saying right there he made a bad choice. So what you do when you see that is see if he starts learning from it or if he just keeps on making bad choices. Simply because you don't do what I think you should do in a certain situation doesn't make you a bad person. Even though I might disagree very strongly with you. But if you keep making those types of decisions then pretty soon we have to say, you know, we got a real problem here. And, and so, and that's true with uh, theology. Some got people, man, alive, how did he get that? And he's right off there with the liberals. Does he realize what he's preaching? And so I'll listen, you know, and one guy that really raised the alarm bells for me was a few years ago. I said, no, I'll, I'll listen to him several times. And that was not Charles Stanley, but Andy Stanley. And that's his son. And Andy Stanley is off the deep end now. Because, and so he just kept on saying things. And so, I can, and so I'll even mention him. He's not a good man to listen to on the radio today. And I don't go around, I think you know, that's the first time I've said that in years. I don't go around saying, okay, these are all the people you shouldn't listen to. And those are that you should. Because there'll be somebody out there says, oh, why, why does he think that? I think I'll listen to Andy Stanley when I get home tonight. You know, I, because I relate, that's the way I am. And so I don't want to create, create any... Uh, any curiosity, I'm just saying, you know, if you don't see what's wrong with Andy Stanley, uh, if you listen to his, some of his recipes, then really you don't know what you, you don't really see what we're trying to do here. And so he's really gone off and unfortunately it's so sad to see how that he's gone off into the liberal camp. And I'm sure that his dad who just passed away is pretty disappointed. But um, there again, you know, so you look at things, you want, to, you want to decide and not just cut people off. But Lord, give me judgments. You know, your judgments. You didn't cut me off immediately. And so Lord, uh, teach me your judgments. And so he says, uh, I have not departed from your judgments for you yourself have taught me. There it is, Lord, give me wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will direct your paths. Not just one decision, but he will direct the decisions you make as you walk with him. And so we see this, your direction. And Lord, you are the one who has taught me. But then there's that good old healthy appetite. How sweet your words are to my taste. Lord, I just don't like this, what you said. I don't like this. And oh man, you're just, we're just a bunch of negative people. All you talk about is things you can't do. Uh, Whenever somebody says that, then you know they've got, you know, they've got some spiritual problems. Again, just my experiences, my testimonies that I can read here. I had a good pastor friend and he had taken a church and the church had some problems. And uh, he was preaching and one of the choir members had gone back and she was in the uh, vestibule or whatever. And he wasn't preaching on sin or anything, but she was just all out of sorts. And she said something to, to uh, one of the people, but his daughter was back there. And um, she was saying, sin, sin, sin. That's all you rules talk about. 
Well, he wasn't talking about sin, but if, you know, if that caused her problems, then maybe she has the problem. You know, there again, if I offend you, then I want to make sure that it's I that offend you. And if I do, I'll do everything I can to make it right. But if it's the Bible that offends you, then I'll, do, I'll be as sweet as I can to help you to see what I see. But in the end, the Bible has to be right. And that's true as a dad, as a mother, as a friend, isn't it? And so again, the judgments that we have to make and the things that we deal with, Lord, they're sweet. Lord, keep your, keep your words sweet to my mouth. Help me to understand that whenever you tell me not to do something, it's for my own good. And help me to appreciate it later on that I didn't do it. But then, Lord, give me those things. I, want. I mean, you know, give me those victories where I see what you can do in the life of that person who walks uprightly. No good thing will you withhold from them who walk uprightly. Lord, I want to see those good things. And so I want to see the sweet things. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Lord, I want to sing that song with conviction. I want it to be my life. And then of my appetite. Through your precepts, I have great understanding. There's that why. It's not just that I follow the rules, but I understand why I follow the rules. And they're good for me. And so you give me understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. I just don't want to be around things that will cause me to stumble. I hate the things that would destroy my relationship with you just like I want to hate the things that would destroy my relationship with my wife or with my church members. There are certain things, oh, I want to please you. But why? Because I love you. But at the same time, I don't want to, <laughs> I think you understand what I'm saying. That's a relationship. And there's judgments in that relationship. And it's, so it's, not, it's, it's hard to, put, attend, it's hard to put, put a lot of rules to it. There's a lot of give and take in relationships. But I'm sure I'm glad that the Lord really gives me a lot of slack at times. <laughs> Aren't you? Even though he knows I'm sin, I'm a sinner. Yet he loves me. And he tells me that if I'll confess what I know about my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from everything I don't know about, all unrighteousness. So if I'll just walk with him, he'll one by one tell me the things as I grow in his grace, he, one by one, he will take care of the things I don't know about. But I got to be honest with him. Okay, any questions or comments about what we looked at tonight? 